Welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Andrew Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're talking about the top four problems with the buy and hold strategy. Because, of course, hey, it's not for everyone. And just before we get into it, don't forget we are touring the country with the Wealth Plan Tour later on. Just go to the link in the show notes, you'll be able to get your ticket. Now, what is the buy and hold strategy? This is just where you buy a good investment property and you wait for it to go up in value. And that's about it. And why this is different from the Burr strategy, because in the Burr strategy, you're actively renovating a property to increase its value and increase the rent you can charge. But with the buy and hold, you literally just buy and wait. There's no need to renovate. And yes, I did put that rhyme in there because I thought it was clever. Oh, no, okay, fine. Take that out. <laughs> no, leave take it, it in. Take that no, part leave out. It in there, David. No, Andrew Nichol didn't think it was funny. And the good thing about this strategy is you don't need a lot of time. You don't need to renovate. Often you don't need as much money to get started. And personally, I love the buy and hold, but I also recognize that it's not for everyone. So I want to talk about all of the problems with it so you can hear the pros and the cons and decide what's right for you. And specifically, you know, we want to go through the sort of things that you might see people say on social media that are bad about this strategy because it's important to understand this. You know, what's the first problem that you see, Andrew? That you're reliant on the market going up. And you see this all the time. You always see comments, particularly on Facebook, where people go, oh, yeah, but you're speculating that the market's going to go up. Yeah, you are. You are assuming that based on the fact that property has gone up forever over the long term, that it is going to continue to keep going up. And yes, there is no guarantee of that. But buying a property through the buy and hold strategy, it's the same as buying a share, right? You find a company or a property that you think has good long-term prospects, then you invest in it, and you hope it goes up in value. And generally speaking, if you've done your homework, that's what happens. <laughs> and I mean, the thing about capital growth is that by far and away, that's how property investors make the most amount of money. You can make money through cash flow, you can make money through renovations, but you make the most amount of money from holding it. Now, applying that to a property, you know, of course, you've got to get a tenant, there's some other things to do, but mainly it's a set and forget approach. Now, Andrew, you know, for that problem that you're reliant on the market, is there a solution to that? No, not really. Like the buy and hold strategy does rely on the market continuing to go up over time. And if you don't think that that is the case, then it might not be the right strategy for you. And I know that some investors like to be hands-on. They like to be able to go in there and renovate a property and get some instant equity. So if that's the case, I guess the solution is be an active investor. Go and actually spend time renovating a property so that you can control that uplift. But then remember, you only get to control that uplift kind of once anyway, and then you wait for the market to go up. You know, or actively develop a property. I mean, those are very legitimate strategies, but a lot of people are active investors and they're very successful at it. So if you want to be a, an active investor, buy and hold might not be right fit for you. You know, that boost strategy might be a better fit. I think the second problem with the buy and hold is that property and values don't always increase. You know, in our spreadsheets and in everybody's spreadsheets, you know, you might assume property values are going to go up by, call it 5 or 6% a year. I know some other companies might say significantly higher. But the truth is that it's not going to go up by 5% every single year. It's not going to be a 5% increase this year and a 5% increase on that. It's not like a term deposit. There's more risks to it because you're buying an asset. So there is a chance that the market won't increase over the time that you own a property. So I'll give you a really extreme example to show you what I mean. 
Between 2007 and 2015, the Wellington property market didn't actually increase in value much at all. So if you bought a property in 2007, sold it eight years later, you actually wouldn't have made much money. And so if you'd done that, you'd say this buy and hold strategy is absolutely useless. <laughs> I haven't made any money off it. And so there's only one solution, which is to hold for, well, actually there's two solutions. The first one is to hold for as long as possible. Because take that instance in Wellington, if you'd held for another five years up to 2020, you know, and this is kind of before the, the COVID boom as well, your house value had gone up 70%. Imagine if you were the guy at the barbecue that had just sold your property. Yeah, and then, and then Wellington went through a boom and some people made a lot of money even before COVID. So there is this potential to make a lot of money, but it's not going to be consistent. That is one problem when you are relying on capital growth. The other thing that we do to try and mitigate that as well is trying to invest in area that's likely to go up in value in the medium term. And, you know, we call these undervalued regions. We've talked a lot about on the podcast how we try and do it. And you can get that data for free on our website. And right now we know uh, Wellington City, Auckland, Christchurch City, those kind of bigger cities are looking relatively undervalued at the moment. And so we feel a bit more confident about them. What do you think the third major problem with the buy and hold strategy is? So number three is that you don't get your money until you sell the property. So let's say you've owned a property for a few years and the market's gone really, really well. Your property's increased by $50,000. Well, I feel rich. I've got an extra $50,000 on my balance sheet. But it's just an equity in the property. I can't actually use that to go on holiday. I can't use it to buy new clothes or a new car. It's just equity. It's just on paper at that stage. So yes, the property's gone up in value, but it doesn't mean that I've actually got any increased lifestyle as a result. It's probably going to be many years of property ownership before you're actually going to sell that property and liquidate the asset and, and use the cash. Whereas, you know, take a scenario like flipping, right? If I buy a property, renovate it, and then sell it, I get the cash in my bank account as soon as it sells. So what's the solution? Well, I think the solution is just to accept that this is the future money. And I always say to Ed, your job gives you your lifestyle today. Your properties, they're your business. They're your pot of wealth for later on. So don't rely on your properties for cash flow today, unless you're buying them with cash. You're using them for your future lifestyle. So just remember them as part of your entire income and wealth kind of journey as the future benefit, not the today benefit. Yeah, I remember you berating me once. I Did think I? We, we're probably at a restaurant or something. I think you're trying to get me to stay with the company for a long time. Mm. And he said, well, just remember, your job gives you a lifestyle today. Your properties, your business, your assets, that's what gives you your lifestyle in the future. I thought that sounded quite good, and yeah, so I'm still go. here with you on the podcast. <laughs> so I, I actually kind of see it as a bit of a benefit as well, because if your money is locked into your business, if you're if you're starting a business or you own a business, or if it's locked into your properties, you can't go and spend that money. You know, let's say I had all of the money from my properties currently, and that money was in my bank account. I would be so tempted to go and spend it. But, you know, I'm not going to do it because I can't because the money's not actually in my account. It's really interesting. Even investors that I work with sometimes, when they go through a boom period, the number of people that ring me and say, oh, should I sell that now? And I'll just use that money to pay off my mortgage or buy a new car. And then I'll just reinvest again. I'm like, no, you need to stay the course. This is the long-term future. Well, this isn't for the now. Yeah, you need the money locked into your yeah. property now. It's not the time to take out the dividends yet. And I think the last one is that you often need to make a top up. So if you go out and buy an existing property and don't renovate it and just rent it out or a new build as well, any type of property, 
With today's interest rates, it's going to be negatively geared. The rent isn't going to cover all of the mortgage payments and the rates and the insurance and the maintenance. Highly unlikely. In fact, I saw a study according to Velocity that at the moment, over 90% of newly bought properties today are likely to be negatively geared based on their numbers. So vast bulk, it would be a rare property that's not. And so, of course, the investor's got to cover the shortfall, and we call this a top-up. So if you're borrowing all of the money to invest, so you don't have a massive cash deposit, then your property will likely need a top-up for maybe the first decade or so. And, of course, over time, rents generally increase faster than your expenses. You know, rents go up by 4.7% per year. Inflation's about 2%. So the top-up should decrease over time. But you know, what's the solution to that? Well, to overcome it, you've kind of got to be able to make sure you can afford that top up. Because if you can't afford to keep the property for 10 plus years, then you could be forced to sell early. And that means maybe the market hasn't gone up enough to cover all your costs. Maybe your property hasn't increased in value as much as you'd like, you know, if you'd invested in a market that was flat for a couple of years. And so you might not be in much of a better position for all of those top ups. So we've got to make sure we can afford that so we can stay in the market for as long as possible. And so, you know, after the, all of that, you guys might be thinking, buy and hold strategy, bloody useless. <laughs> why am I, I going to do this? It's got all these bloody problems with it. It doesn't sound very good at all. Andrew and Ed, you've based your whole business model around the buy and hold strategy. You're telling me it's, it's not a very good strategy. So, Andrew, who is the buy and hold strategy the right fit for? For people who want an easy and, I guess, less risky strategy. So it doesn't take much time, doesn't take much knowledge. And I think the biggest thing is you can just do this alongside your day job, the thing that is giving you the lifestyle right now. Like, I think about some of my investors and, you know, I've got people who are doctors or factory workers. They're all doing long hours and most of the investors I work with, they also have families as well. So they're balancing this massive work-life juggle. They don't have a lot of time to be committing to their properties. So if you're a doctor working 12-hour shifts... Why are they so lazy? Well, do, do you know what? I, I, don't, I don't know how many hours doctors work, but I assume that they might, some of them would say a 12 hour shift, that's a short time. Yeah. Oh, it's a short shift. No, too much longer than that. You know, if you're, you know, a shift worker, you know, working all sorts of hours, maybe if you're at an office job, you're a lawyer, you're a business owner, you might not have time for that more active renovations based strategy. And there are absolutely people out there who, will work busy jobs and still fit that in because renovating properties is a really high priority for them. If it's a passion for them, I think that's when it's easier because then it's just your hobby. You do it at the weekend and after work because... Well, if you're really into it because then you're motivated to do it. But I also recognise that, well, not everybody has that same desire to do it. So if you don't have that or if you don't have any background or specialist knowledge in renovations, then actually a buy and hold strategy can be the right fit for you because it's got those additional benefits that it just works alongside your everyday job. And so you've kind of got another way that you're building wealth. But I think the big thing to remember is you do have to be willing to hold your properties for 10 to 20 years. That's just the reality of the buy and hold strategy. If you want to be able to see out an entire property cycle, you do kind of have to budget for a 15-year cycle. And it's really important that you've got realistic expectations. So keep those things in mind that, you know, property values don't go up by 5 6% every single year. I remember there was one investor we talked about on the show who called you up, Andrew. Oh, Andrew, I've had this property for, for a year. <laughs> Why hasn't it increased in value yet? Didn't go up the 6% that we thought. Or I know we've had other investors who say, oh, the property values went up by 30% a year. I want to budget on property values going up by another 15% a year every year compounding. Again, really not realistic. That is highly, highly, highly unlikely to happen. 
In fact, statistically, it's basically not going to happen. There's there's such a low probability of that happening that it's, it's not even worth thinking about. We've got to have realistic expectations so we don't get disappointed. And really, that's what this is. This episode's about, saying, hey, look, every strategy can work for some people, but it's also got problems. And you need to be aware of what those downsides are so that you can really make sure you know, is this the right strategy for me? Or perhaps not. Maybe maybe if it's not, you go do something else. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, don't forget that we are coming around and touring the country. We're going to Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch for the Wealth Plan Tour. And we're going to show you how to retire early with two to five properties. And if you want to come along, just go to opuspartners.co.nz slash tickets. You'll be able to secure your spot. All the links down in the show notes. Listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. <laughs>